Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat to amazing humans about their journeys and their stories with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Isaac to the conversation. Welcome, Isaac. Hey, Matt, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well, thank you. And you're more than welcome. So as always, just very briefly, I'll just say how we got to this recording, because I always like to let people know how we sort of came about. Um, and Isaac isn't in the UK, he's overseas. So I'll let you tell a little bit about where you are as well, Isaac. Um, but we've met through LinkedIn, which is where I meet a lot of the contacts and connections that we record with. Um, and we just sort of connected and started talking about our experiences a little bit. So it's been great to just get to know a little bit about Isaac. So I don't know a huge amount about his story, um, but I do know he's got a really interesting one. So Isaac. It's over to you. Just introduce yourself. Just tell people a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the big question. 100%. Uh, my name is Isaac Kakon. I'm uh, originally from Montreal, Canada. I'm Canadian originally. Um, I come from a very normal background. Uh, my parents are divorced, more than 50%. So I guess that makes me somewhat normal. Um, I, I would say nothing unique, right? There's nothing really unique, but at the same time, at the age of 14, I left my house, uh, moved to Israel, spent years in Israel, uh, enjoyed every moment, I guess, of my teen years, but never really had to, you know, never had too much authority also at times. So I was able to be somewhat freely and do what I'd like when I want. Uh, I'm now 28 years old and I'm located in Cyprus. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had friends that uh, I met when I was younger in Israel, that they have a company here. And uh, they actually invited me to come work because I speak three languages, English, French, and Hebrew. So that was how I actually originally got to Cyprus. I'm married. I have two beautiful kids, a beautiful wife. Uh, this is, uh, I guess, the foundation to every man, right? You need to have something to continue on uh, your purpose, your the way you are, the who you are, the everything about you. So. I'm truly grateful. I'm truly grateful. No complaints. And that's a bit about my life, I guess, until my story. I don't I don't really know how it works. The first part of my life. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's who you are and what you're doing and where you are. So you're in Cyprus, which is wonderful. And, um, you know, I'm in a rainy UK recording this. So um, I'm sure Cyprus is a little bit more sunnier at the moment. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not jealous about that right now. But let's get into the story. So thank you for sharing sort of your journey from where you came from, where you grew up, and obviously the journey to get you to Cyprus with the family and, and your children as well, which sounds amazing. But you do have a story and you do have experiences that you've been through. And, and I know we're going to talk about those. So I'm just going to pass that over to you, Isaac. Just the question is, tell us a bit about your journey with mental health, the story you're willing to share and to tell. Wow, the story is a big story. Uh, okay. And the truth is, it's still not unique, right? Because so many people go through what I go through. Yep. It's something that I truly believe uh, we should all somewhat understand is we only become unique once we choose to be unique. But how did uh, my life flip upside down for the better in my eyes? Is uh, in 2019, August, August 27, 2019, I got into a motorcycle accident. I went head to head with a car. She was she took a right. I was going straight bumper to bumper. Upon impact, uh, I didn't have much airtime. I was carrying someone, so all his weight pushed me to the floor. Upon impact on the floor, which was automatic, my arm exploded. But not only did my arm explode, my head was tilted to the side, the body weight, the speed pushed me, and it actually ripped uh, most of my, well, if anyone knows a bit about the nervous system, it's your C5 all the way to my T1. So it tore five major roots from the brain nerves 
from the root of the brain, uh, leaving me disabled on impact, irrelevant to the explosion. Our bodies are like electricity. If I cut my finger and I reconnect it, it could work in the future because it's like you cut the cable in the middle. You could always reconnect the cable. But when you damage the brain, there's no reconnecting. So upon impact, I was already disabled. But with my luck, disability wasn't enough. Uh, the nerves, because they were torn from the brain, it actually left me with neuropathic pain. It's nerve damage. And the damage is in the brain. And of course, in the areas that were damaged. So what I tell people, and I don't, you see a lot of times, I feel like the chronic world expects people to be empathetic and to understand. I feel like I had personally, I'm not talking about it, but I know for a fact, I expect people to be kind and understand the pain I'm going through. And the truth is, is that I would have never understood this. You physically have to go through this pain to understand it. And I know for a fact that I couldn't understand it at the beginning uh, when my doctors had told me. So why would I expect others to understand what I'm going through? But this pain is what I filter my thoughts because our thoughts are filterization. It's a process of filtering your thoughts. The way I explain it is I'm constantly going through a motorcycle accident. My arm is constantly being cut off. Till now, I talk with a smile, but the pain I feel is the same pain I had the second, well, five minutes after the accident, once the adrenaline started to wear off. Going back to the story, uh, I got to the hospital. There was a specialist here in Cyprus who's willing to do the nerve transplant and take me as a case. Thank God, because uh, most places in the world just cut the arm off. I went to two hospitals. The first hospital said that we're cutting it. Second one said, you know what? We'll try to go through this whole process. Throughout the process of being at the hospital for two and a half months, two plus months, uh, first we had to wait for, we had to put the arm back together. So they put the arm back together, titanium rod inside, connecting, you would say the shoulder and the elbow because the bicep bone area exploded. The whole arm, 95% of the arm exploded. So they had to put me back together like a puzzle. Now, guys, I'm out. I woke up, spent four days in intensive care. I actually hit my head so hard that it actually damaged the eye for a second. Thank God it's uh, not like that. I had hornet's eye. My eye had closed on me. Uh, it was barely open. I could see through it because that's your vision. But uh, yeah, my eye had shut. Like the nervous system really just shuts off on me. Uh, after about a month at the hospital, now, guys, I'm, I'm just going over this pretty quickly because I don't think people really understand. But when I'm talking about pain, the way you could see it, imagine a lady going through labor and constantly screaming every two minutes. And it, this is how I looked. And not even my wife says it. That's what she's like. Oh, you were constantly screaming to a point where I remember there was no more tears and there was no more sound. It was just screaming, shaking, kicking, breaking. And uh, they were giving me all sorts of opioids, morphine, Xanax, oxycodone, uh, nerve stimulators, Lyrica. They gave me everything. I was actually attached to oxycodone 24-7 for two and a half months. Wow. So after a month that all the swelling went down, the doctors came in. Of course, they had already told me I was disabled. They told me, if you want, we'll do a nerve transplant. We'll take nerves from your ribs. We'll connect it into the arm and connect it to the brain. Um, statistically in the world, maybe 1%, it works for them. Uh, but with our work, it's 50%. Personally, my work is 50%. Wow. I said, okay, which one do I look at, of course? Uh, some reason, I was able to look at the optimistic side, and I said, if that's the case, then I want to do this as well. 
they said it's not just 50-50, it's also the amount of work they're gonna put into it. Physiotherapy every day. I've been doing physiotherapy for three years. Right. I came back this morning from physio. I go to the gym, I do physio. I've been at physio for three years. I've been through three operations. They said, it's gonna take years for you to get your arm back. And that's of course, if it works out for you because statistics aren't on our side. Yeah. The real trauma starts when I leave the hospital, right? The first trauma is pain, realizing that I'm constantly in pain, waking up to pain every day and becoming a blur on drugs. But uh, when you leave the hospital, you're no longer getting shots every four hours of morphine, including your cocktails that they give you in these little cups, you know, the, you know, like sip of waters, your six, seven, eight pills every four hours, plus your shot. They're not doing that. They're sending you home with a couple of tablets, uh, morphine, oxycodone, Percocets, they're giving you everything, yeah. right? Especially for me, because the pain was so intense, but there's no guidance. And the thing is, again, I go back and I say, there is no awareness to what chronic pain is unless you're going through it. You can't really understand what this world is or what it's about. So to, to, for a doctor to go ahead and explain it to me if he's never really dealt with this deeply is also very hard to look at. And if your case is even more rare than the average, then really you should have zero expectations on anyone because again, it's very, not because I don't believe we should expect from things to be optimistic and work out, but don't expect to a point where it's gonna end up hurting you. You have to protect yourself. But I spent a year doing drugs in a room of four walls, I never left my room. My wife was pregnant when I had an accident of my second child. My daughter's born in a world of trauma. He's screaming constantly, only doing drugs. You don't, I don't remember 50% of my first year. Zero. Zero, zero, zero. My child had a birthday, my first child. And I don't remember the birthday. I'm in the videos, but I don't remember. Uh, I wasn't doing good at all. The truth is, towards the end of the first year, being outside the hospital, it had gotten to a point where it was so bad, I call it losing purpose to life. Statistically, 40% of chronic patients go through multiple suicide attempts. I'm part of those statistics. I was part of that indication. And again, it's not losing purpose one time, it's losing it multiple times. 70% of heroin addicts today actually come from the opioid world. And the opioid world is highly dealt with the chronic world. So there's this nasty loop of addiction that comes through a lot of trauma and not being able to deal with it. And it's normal because the brain is just trying to figure out where it went wrong. What could we do to go back? It's the way we're somewhat built. But the truth is there is no going back sometimes. And you need to be able to process that. Because if you can't process that, that's where you fall into the average statistics. And to make things worse, like I said, over 50% are divorced. We start with trauma and learning to deal with ourselves and building our own personal personas as children according to what we think happened in life. And again, children are narcissistic. So if my father left and I expected him to be a father or my mother couldn't deal with me because she had too many kids at this time and no one was there to help her, no husband. And financially, statistically, you're also gonna be in a problem if you're from a single parent home. It's, it's yeah. they're not the truth. They're indications. People need to know the difference between this. It's not that it's black and white, that it's right or wrong. 
It's where you're standing at the moment. So statistically, people get divorced. Are you on your way to getting divorced or not? Statistically, most parents, when it gets to the weekend, you would think they give time to their children. Well, actually, fathers give 70% give less time. So during the week, it's like 40, 50% actually give time to their children. And during the, during the weekend, it's 30, 40%. You would think they have more time, but men are so exhausted and they lack that purpose that you lose it. And chronic pain had really pushed me to that edge where I had given up if my friends were doing drugs uh, and I was sitting and they were you know, neighbors, friends sitting beside. I didn't mind to ask them, do you guys have anything? Would a doctor gave something, anything to take care of the pain. And people don't realize it's not that we're junkies. We're in pain. We're going yeah. through a trauma and we're trying to escape reality. And we just can't. So we're willing to cope with it in any way because you want to be something in life. You want to have purpose, but no matter what you do, you're suffering. So you feel like it's impossible. So you have no purpose. And to make it worse, you actually become a burden on people. If I would have continued my way, my kids would have been damaged. My wife would have been broken. Our home would have been broken. It'd just be a house. There would be no value to life. And that's the honest thing. People are like, why do they? They're so, it's so like, you have to be somewhat selfish to go ahead and just end your life. No, the opposite. They're probably doing so much pain to their surroundings that they realized it's the better outcome. And that's not really true. The better outcome is like we spoke about me and you before, is making that choice. Life knocked me down, but I'm going to choose to get up. And that happened, that mindset happened a year later. Uh, a year later, what happened was is the titanium in my arm broke. Now, this is extremely hard metal. It's not supposed to break. We don't know how, but in two, really in two. Doctor re-hospitalized me. Uh, he was going, he, 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 he said, we're going to change it to a thicker titanium, et cetera. So the first week that I was there, I was there for about a week. Uh, I was excited because, again, the world of no pain was when I was at the hospital a year ago when they were really drugging me up. So I said, at least I'm going to go back, even though it steps back, they'll give me some drugs. It's going to ease the pain a bit. It's like a vacation to go back to the insanity. I'm trying to kill myself the whole month before that, really. But again, it's that insanity. It's that being so unaware and lost in life. People think you're aware. No, sometimes you just kill yourself and you weren't aware of it. You know what you're doing is wrong, but you're unaware of the action itself. So I was there and they gave me the drugs, of course, and it didn't work. And the line that somewhat got me to understand that is the doctor at one point just came in after giving me so many doses. He said, girl, you're a junkie. <laughs> I said, you're a junkie. You stop it. Like, you don't realize. And I went downstairs and, and, and I sat up in front of the parking lot. And what had caught my eye is what helped me change my perspective. What had caught my eye is that people were trying to leave the parking lot. It's a crazy story, but... They're putting in the ticket, the ticket comes out, they put it back, it comes out, they put it back. And they're all starting to stand together collectively. Now, these are all sorts of people, sick, old, young, different nationalities. So you can't really say it's, you know, I live in Cyprus right now. You can't say it's just Cypriots. You can't say it's Canadians or Israelis. You can't. You can't say it's old people, it's young generation because it's a hospital. Everything's moving, but collectively, they're all waiting and trying to figure out what to do. And uh, I looked at it and I said, what are these people looking for? I said, an exit. 
And the second I was able to click to the exit, I looked at the exit, I realized it was open. And I said, wow, people don't realize they're going according to the structure. Call it the matrix, call it what you want. You're yeah. going according to the rules, yeah. right? And that's what it is to, by the way, be a good person, right? Your rights to owning the parking lot is my obligation to pay. So they're being good, but what happens when nothing works anymore? Well, you go back to the source. What is the reason for why you're doing it? What is the reason for what you want to, why are you looking for what you're looking for? And then you'll somewhat get closer to the idea. And that's what helped me. And it asked, I asked myself when I went back upstairs, Isaac, do you know what's happening in your life? Are you really like, and I realized I had completely fucked it up. Excuse my language. I'm sorry, it just came out. But the truth is I sat there and I said, I became so sick of me the persona, the attitude, the expectations, the, the, the pain, which started a lot of it. But again, it's not the source to your problems. Sometimes it just enlightens them, it makes them broader. And uh, I realized that the way I'm going, I'm losing it all. So I have to make a change. Wow. Yeah. And you've made that change, right? <laughs> and so yes. Uh, Sorry. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating one. And I want to know what happened. I really do. Because I want to follow that thread because I think it's so fascinating where your story is going. So you made a change. So, yeah, uh, I'm there. At the, I'm, I'm there on the bed. And I remember I was there for about a week. Right. So I'm sitting there now. A couple of days to really just be by myself. Hmm. Uh, my wife sat home with my kids and I'm sitting there and I'm saying, OK, what's wrong? And a lot of people ask, like, you know, I can't tell you what I want. That's a concept, but you could turn it around. It's like mathematically, you build the problem up or you break it down. Mm -hmm. So if I can't tell you what I want, I sat there, I said, okay, so Isaac, you're trying to become aware. What do you not want? And the first thing that came to my mind is I realized I kept trying to kill myself. So I said, I just don't want to kill myself. I don't want to die. I have a family. And I said, okay, so what is making you want to kill yourself? And I said, it's the emotion of pain, of suffering, of lack of purpose. So I said, okay, so if you're so unhappy, what is the opposite of unhappy? Happy. Become optimistic. Become happy. Smile at all times. And then I realized, the more I kept trying to dig, I realized that what we're talking about, you have your talk, which I think is great because it's so much what has to do with value and living in the moment. 24-hour humans is living in the moment. And people say, how do you live in the moment? Today, I answer that by, you live in the moment by working on today for tomorrow. That's how you know you're living in the moment. If what you do know now has the purpose to what you want in the future, that means you're doing the right thing, as long as it's connected with what you want. So I said, okay, what are all these phenomenal people talking about when it comes to recovery, when it talks to, what am I saying by the word happy or positivity? Suddenly I realized they're like a value, a virtue. They're moral values. And, and, and the thing about moral values is the second you have moral values, no matter where life hits you, left or right, you could catch on to these things again, retake control by just being like, okay, I, I always said to myself, I trained my brain that I will always be empathetic. I said, if I can't give physically, physically I'm broken right now. If I can't really give financially, I'm not a multimillionaire to give out all my money. If I can't be at those steps yet, then what can I offer? I said, well, if I take control of my brain, then I could give empathy. I could give 
I could care for no reason. If someone wants to talk, I could be that guy. Why? Because most people in pain are looking for someone that is willing to listen at first. Zero judgment. And that is empathy. So I created myself a list of values that I would never let go. And I said, this is the way I'm going to recover. And today I called my project Recovery Through Values. And I'm going to just give them to you. And, and, and I really, anyone who wants to test themselves to see if you know where you're going with your life, do this at home. And the truth is, is that my first value, see if you have five values. Mine is faith. Because without faith in myself or faith in God, which I believe in strongly, you're not going to move forward. You need, something needs to hold you up, that faith, that belief, that knowing, because faith is not, I don't believe in God. I know he exists. So your faith has to become a knowing. It has to become so indebted into your brain that you know you're capable to do it. So that was my first one. My second one is, what was I lacking? Well, self-awareness. So I said I needed to become aware of my situation. I'm going to value becoming self-aware. At all times, I need to be subjective to the picture. I could not be biased. I could not allow my emotions to react before my brain. I need my brain to put it into words, to understand it. And if it's right, then I'll wear it on my sleeve. Like they say, the emotions on it, I'll carry the character. And the third one for me was, well, I hated my life. Self-sacrifice. I hated everything I created about myself. It's a self-nullification, a self-sacrifice, an understanding that you are the problem to your reality because it's all within your realm. You're the only one who could take charge of what's happening. And the truth is, why not me? That was one of the things I told myself. Why can't I be that guy who gets hit by a car, torn up upside down? The world says no. I'll bring back my arm. I'll recover. I'll show people that it's possible. And we won't all just give up. Why can't I be him? Why not me? Can't I be that light to the world? So that was that. I realized self-nullification, destroy who you are now for tomorrow. And then I realized that things that were destroying me, this is also a good story. There was a friend of mine who told me his dad's a chronic patient. And we were sitting together towards my trying to become aware in life and asked him, you know what? Your dad's a chronic patient. What was it like living with your dad? said, I love my dad, my dad loves me, but it changed him. Made him a very angry person, never had patience, never around. Another kid had told me it was living in the shadow of a disabled person. These are very traumatic words. These are painful words. And I said, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't let that go. I come from a broken home. I see what's happening to me. I see what's happening in the world today. The lack of morals that we have, the lack of understanding and that fear that I said, I will never let go the idea of family, fatherhood. And so which one did I choose? And I, choo I chose fatherhood, not fathership. Why? Because fathership is the idea. Uh, Simon Sinek says it great. He says, it's not the idea. It's literally the verb, the action. So fatherhood, fatherhood is the action. I'm going to take action in being a father at all times as much as I can. And what do you need to be a good father, a good person? Not to only your father. If you want to think about it in a broader picture, then what are you looking to be? Well, somewhat of a leader. I want to lead my children. And leadership skills are very important. There's two types of leadership skills that I truly value. One is adaptive. One is technical. As we all know, the doctor tells you to take a pill. You listen. The second one is adaptive. Adaptive leadership is where you get the people 
to understand how to adapt within their reality. And we need more leaders and less managers, and we need more empathy, and we need values. We need more values. I tell myself today, so what is your job as a leader, as a parent? Well, in an immoral world, I will teach my kid morals, the difference between good and bad, right and wrong. The truth, we don't know exactly what it is, but you could definitely know the difference between someone who's selfish or someone who's empathetic. So I'd rather teach my kid empathy. These are the tools I use in my life and everyone has them. And what's funny is you say something a lot that we don't disagree. Humans are very unique. Only when they choose to be unique. Yeah. We all have a pity party. That is the saddest reality that do not think your story is the way out of them. If you're trying to play the victim game, you're going to realize you are not the worst victim. Now, I'm not saying this to belittle the problem, but what I am saying is that we are not unique until we choose to be unique. I like that. I, I, I think that's I think that's fascinating. I, I, I found your story to be in, so, so inspiring and in, insightful. And and I think there's so many elements to it. And I wish we just had another two hours for this conversation. But, you know, we try and frame these into <laughs> half an hour and we're pretty much coming towards the end. But in terms of sort of your self-awareness, and I think that's interesting, you know, you talk about faith, self-awareness, self-sacrifice. And, you know, one of the big areas within mental health in particular is hope, you know, so so sort of faith and hope very closely sit aligned to each other, which, of course, is, you know, we, we, we hope for people to improve their recovery process or to get better or to find a pathway into whatever it is that they need to do. And, and you know, self-awareness is so critical. You've got wonderful self-awareness through your journey because you've you've taken a moment to think and stop and take notice and, and be aware. And that's what it relates to. And so many people today, and I know there's lots of people who will listen, who will be struggling to have that awareness of things that are changing for themselves. So, you know, I just want to encourage people through that and, and that self-sacrificing piece as well, you know, and, and, and I'm a big fan of, you know, making sure that we give up the things that we shouldn't be doing and we do more of the things we should and really taking notice of, of the importance of all of those elements. Um, Isaac, it's incredible. Honestly, I, I, I just, I, I think you're, a, you're, you're a very aspirational and inspirational. Um, sorry, inspirational. Um, you know, young man who has a massive opportunity to, to share the wealth of your knowledge. And as a father of two, you know, it's and a, pa a parent and a husband and, and everything else that goes with it. It's, it's never easy, you know. So it's, it's something that you know, if you can keep on that line of the moral piece, you know, keep the moral pieces in line, it's going to be incredible. Um. As I always do, so you know, huge thank you for sharing all of that that you've shared there in there. But as I always do, sort of as we come towards the end of these conversations, your hopes for the future, that's what I want to hear. You know, where do you see this? What do you think? What do you want to do? Tell us a little bit about that. And if you've got any other wonderful quotes, I always love to grab quotes off people <laughs> just, just, just as a way to galvanize the sort of the, the emotions for the people out there. So just to give you a one-liner that I've been using a lot this week. Uh, Go for it. It's become limitless in a world of limitations. Okay. As someone who is disabled, as someone who is chronically sick, one of the biggest problems in a way is we believe we're limited. Yep. And I'm here to say that we can choose to be limitless in a world of limitations because we're always limited in a way. You'll yep. say you're limited on time, like you said, 24 hours, right? We only have them. Yep. But I could choose to be limitless within that time. And that's yep. the idea to whoever's struggling at that point, really choose to become more than what you are. Uh, regarding my future, my life, first of all, 
I like to tell people that uh, when you heal, when you recover, when you find your values, it's physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. Today, my purpose as a person, my job, which means I don't get burnt out because I truly enjoy this. I'm a public speaker. Yep. I speak for the chronic slash disabled community. I talk about addiction for people. I bring value for companies, whatever it may be, because at the end of the day, I'm based around moral values. So I always say, what does my future have for me? I don't know, but it, it it's really got me excited. I'm extremely excited. And at the same time, I'm sort of scared, which is a perfect combo. Together, it's going to keep me moving forward. And it's actually going to get me excited for the future, which is somewhat how your body creates the idea of dopamine, which, by the way, all the drugs I was on tend to abuse your dopamine. So create different ways of dopamine, learn your body, learn biology, become aware, fall in love with knowledge, grow with community, use moral values, and never let life victimize you. You are not a victim. You are unique once you choose to be unique. Wow, what a wonderful way to finish that. I feel quite I feel quite inspired. I want to watch you speak more. I want to, <laughs> I want to hear you talking Thank to you groups. I, I really do. And I and I genuinely mean that because I think it's so interesting that, you know, that thing about the future. And I sort of just ask, it doesn't have to be long-term future, you know. I don't mean when you when you're old and grey and like me. Um but uh, it, it, No, not like you, you look great. Stop oh, it. Oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. Um, but most importantly, it's that it's that thing about the uncertainty of the future sometimes can be the thing that helps us to to keep moving to keep driving to keep thinking okay how do I evolve myself and I think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with isn't it it's sort of like we're in these long-term careers where we feel there's no alternative and there's no way out it's almost like you're trapped in certain spaces so things that we can do so I just love all of that stuff that you've said Isaac hopefully you're still there I see the screen's frozen for a moment there um before we close still there Isaac fallen off the screen so it's always fun when we're recording these if uh, we'd lose contact uh, towards the end of it um fingers crossed we can reconnect at some point um but for everybody that's listening if you are still there if you are still listening you're still able to hear me just want to say a huge thank you to isaac uh isaac thank you so much got you back eventually i think oh, you're almost there it's a little bit unstable at the moment the beauties of technology thank you so much yes you're back yeah, we've always, we've had we've had these fun games with technology. You'd think in 2022 we'd be, you know, on top of this technology. But anyway, never mind. Isaac, just want to say a huge thank you to you for sharing your journey, your story. It's been incredible. It's been inspiring and insightful. Um, I do genuinely hope that everybody out there finds it useful. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that will. If you want to get in touch, I will drop all of Isaac's details in the uh, marketing to this. And of course, if anybody wants to talk to me, you're more than welcome to. Isaac, you're doing okay? Thank you so much. I'm still with you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, it's always that worry, isn't it? It's like the anxiety. This is real. This is anxiety playing out in real time, especially because we don't <laughs> end these. So we just get what we get. So for anybody that has sort of missed a bit of the conversation, apologies if you have. Um, but brilliant stuff, Isaac. Just want to say a huge thank you again. Thank you so much. I wish you all the very best on your journey with your family and with your with your children and your wife and, and everything that you're doing. And and may the sun shine on you all in Cyprus. That's what Same I Same to you. A lot of peace. Thank you so much. Same to you. Take care. No worries. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.